An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution, of course, how the world is changing. Of course it is, right before our very eyes. Going from a world of centralization to decentralization as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Of course, it's always technology that changes the world, and that technology is Bitcoin that is changing everything as we know it. But we want to look at all three of those subjects to really get context of what's going on so we can understand what is happening. So, you know, I was looking through some of these these news headlines this week, and boy, it has been crazy. I brought in my buddy Q to come in and kind of help dissect some of these. What's up, Q? And, What's up, uh, Mark? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I thought, you know, we just run through these. Q and I just worked the news desk together in Miami in, uh, at the Bitcoin conference. It was a lot of fun. So I thought we'd maybe do that do that again here on this show. And, you know, Q, man, it has been crazy this week. The big debate was this debt ceiling going on. And it kind of came down to the last minute looking like maybe a deal wouldn't happen. I thought that maybe the Republicans would kind of hold on a little bit better. But they seem to just absolutely cave is what it looked like. They gave up almost nothing back. Uh, basically, we have no cap anymore. I mean, now there's, we went from 4 trillion spending pre-pandemic to 6 trillion spending. So now that's the new normal baseline. We're not even going back to that. And now we have this unlimited cap and they pushed it out. The next one, a lot of times they'll kick the debt, debt selling debate down a year maybe two years, they decided to push this through January 21, 2025, which is after Biden's next election. And then the big one that I hated to see was only $1.4 billion of the $80 billion going to new IRS agents got carved out. I mean, was this just an absolute cave or what? Uh, I definitely think that, unfortunately, for the Republicans, they, they seem to have just lost their eye on the ball you said it best like there's no salary cap as a sports guy could you imagine all of a sudden your favorite nfl team and then their rival just you can outbid anyone you could ever want and you are doing this repeatedly to a point where unfortunately you're losing credibility the republicans were expecting a red wave during the 2022 election and unfortunately didn't necessarily win as many seats as they wanted especially not in the senate and they at least got the house but unfortunately now that they got the house, they didn't follow through on some of their promises. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but I think this really just opens the door for Trump in 2024. Yeah, maybe. You know, the one thing I see is, you know, I, I know uh, both of us, we have different views. Everyone's had different views and that's OK. I just think it's like, man, I, I looked at a bunch of the polls and like the American people 
did not want the debt ceiling to be lifted. They didn't want that. That's what the people wanted. And then you have, you know, both both red and blue both went in and just just did it, right? And it's like they're not really taking in the will of the people, it seems like. And uh, you know, I'm afraid I'm afraid of what this means with this unlimited spending bill. And a couple of things that I saw too that I that I thought was uh, pretty pretty interesting is, you know, one of the big problems that we have is we have these lawmakers making laws that don't seem to read the laws. <laughs> we had like this omnibus bill that went through where they basically brought in 4,000 pages right before Christmas break and said, you have to like sign this whole thing. And then in that thing is just like full of like all kinds of garbage that nobody would vote for if they had the time to kind of read it. And that's kind of what they do over and over and as I was reading through this, it looks like it even opens up the door to get more of that done. So again, in this bill, it's not just about how much do we raise the debt ceiling. There's like all types of concessions that go in there. And one of them was even opening up the door for the omnibus bill. So it just seems like um, at a time when the American people seem to be hurting, um, you know, inflation has been raging. That seems to be the big topic that they're trying to supposedly take care of. Um, they didn't, they didn't take into consideration what the people wanted and they just rammed in more spending. I mean, it, it's tough to ask people who get to make their own budgets, make their own salaries, then go and actually, you know, have a little austerity around finances. But I do think this opens the door for a lot of presidential candidates to run on a platform of financial austerity and have a stricter budget. That will be a main talking point, I think, for the next year and a half leading into this presidential election unfortunately to your point like the american people they don't want the debt ceiling raised they want the budget handled this is their job this is the job of lawmakers to hey you have more than enough money we are talking trillions and trillions of dollars of a budget and you're telling me you couldn't have figured this out without raising the budget ceiling you couldn't have figured this out by hey maybe we need to cut spending in certain areas that we shouldn't be spending as much like i don't know sending all of this aid money to ukraine for some reason <laughs> do you think though that like because the problem with politics is like you're promising favors right i mean unfortunately today um it's, you're you're buying votes is what you're doing and so like how could any politician win on a campaign of austerity so for people that don't know what that word means is basically means living living within your means like living on a budget so in order to do that they're going to have to cut spending to your point. And so how could any politician actually get elected on a campaign to take away money from somebody? Like that's going to be tough. You do it the exact way every politician gets elected. You promise a whole lot you of lie. things that you don't you don't <laughs> you don't follow through on the campaign promises. Like that yeah. that's unfortunately just the recipe that we need. We need a politician to take charge in that way, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, I think, you know, obviously to the point, I think it was 66% of the American people said that they did not support the debt ceiling increase. And I think a couple of things you have to kind of keep in mind is, so as I already said, like we already, because of the pandemic, we already increased the budget from 4 trillion to 6 trillion. That's a 50% increase. Like we couldn't just go back to where we were pre-pandemic because it seemed to me in 2019, it wasn't like the end of the world. Like the Biden administration was saying, if we don't get this passed, 8 million people are going to lose their job. Why? Because 8 million people got hired in the last <laughs> 24 months? Like, why is that? Like, why does the world end? Like, why can't we just go back to where we were uh, two years ago? Or even more importantly, this is about, you know, the Republicans are like, oh, we're slashing the deficit by 1.5 trillion. 
over the next 10 years. And that's based off of the pro uh, projection of it growing. So none of it actually had anything to do with cutting, actually reducing the spending. It was about cutting from future growth. So maybe you're right. Maybe the American people are go, could go, look, like, don't take away my money, but let's just not spend anymore. <laughs> maybe. It, like it, it could be something as simple as that, but you know, ultimately, unfortunately, like we'll talk about this, I think, uh, towards the economic segment, but I, I'm sure you saw this story months ago about people who make six figures, but they live paycheck to paycheck. And this yeah. is becoming a theme for Americans, unfortunately, to not have enough financial education. And it looks like our lawmakers lack that financial education and yet somehow are put in charge of the entire monetary policy of our country. Yeah. Now, um, we've gotten down to the wire on debt ceiling limits before 2011, 2013 were both pretty vicious uh, confrontations in regards to that. In 2011, a deal was made at the last minute. And of course, it sent the S&P 500 down 17%, uh, Russell index down by 26%. And so a lot of times this is bad. And we know that now the treasury, which has almost no money, has to go fill a trillion dollars worth of uh, treasuries. They're going to have to ref sell a trillion dollars worth of tr treasuries into the market in the next 30 days. 500 billion goes into their uh, bank account, the TGA. That could create quite a liquidity shock. I mean, if they're sucking a trillion dollars out of the market, that's taking money that was going to something else. So, I mean, this could potentially be a repeat of what we saw in 2011 with a big crash coming. No, I, I frankly, I'm setting myself up in my portfolios for a nice little downtick on anything and everything from Bitcoin down to public markets and equities. Like you're going to feel the effects of this over the course of the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, in times past, it created a lot of turmoil in the market. Um, you know, I, I did a video on my main YouTube channel, just search Mark Moss on YouTube. And I, and I kind of broke this down into the math to kind of show the liquidity shock that happens. But when you take a trillion dollars out of the market, that's coming from somewhere else, somewhere else that would have gone into Apple or Nvidia stock or gone into Bitcoin or gone into real estate or whatever. And uh, here it is just going to suck all that liquidity out of the market. And that could be really, really bad, which is why uh, specifically it's bad for risk assets, which is why in the past the Russell went down way more than the S&P 500. So I would say be prepared for fireworks because this is uh, this is not over by a long shot. If you just tuned in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution and we're running through the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can stay on top of what's going on. We'll be back more talking about Bitcoin, crypto, the economy and more. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. 
And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, the, the decentralized revolution like each and every week. We're talking through the latest breaking news headlines of the week so you can keep on top of what's going on as we look at through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Now, one thing that's happening big, you know, I always talk about the technology piece. It's Bitcoin that's changing the world. And when you look at the Bitcoin and the crypto ecosystem at large, I mean, it is coming front and center to the entire world, specifically um, in the United States as we're heading into this election cycle. And, you know, last week I was at the Bitcoin conference in Miami. I talked about that on the radio show last week. And we have we had two presidential candidates there talking about it. And now we have a third presidential candidate talking about it. And it looks like it has come front and center and could be a deciding point in this next election. You have the incumbent president, Biden, uh, who is anti. <laughs> the Biden administration is uh, squeezing the emergency, uh, the, the emerging crypto business, you know, op Operation Choke Point 2.0. They, you know, with him and Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler, they want to get rid of all technology, all cryptocurrencies and enact their CBDC, the tool for control. And then we have Ron DeSantis, who came out and he said that... Uh, he said, quote, the, the regime clearly has it out for Bitcoin. Bitcoin represents a threat to them. They're trying to regulate it out of existence. So he, DeSantis, wants to let Bitcoin run free, and he's also banning CBDCs. But then on the other side of the aisle, on the left, on the, on the Democrat side, we have RFK Jr., and he came and he wrote in a tweet earlier this month, it's a mistake for the U.S. government to hobble the industry and drive innovation elsewhere. So he is pro-Bitcoin. And then another one on the Republican side, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's also pro-Bitcoin. Um, he sees it as a decentralized alternative to the U.S. dollar, improving the country's financial infrastructure by presenting, quote, a source of competition to the existing system. I think competition is always a good thing. Q, what do you think about this uh, showdown happening? Really from both sides and bringing this front and center. I got two main thoughts on this, and, and I'll start with my first, which alludes to what I've said earlier to you. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't care what politicians are saying, pro-Bitcoin or not. I think it's yeah. a lot of pandering going on. We've seen it time and time again. So unless I actually see some clear-cut legislation, I'm just going to take it, take them at their word and, and leave it there. But I think it's really disappointing to see in America of all places, technology and innovation being stifled rather yeah. than 
you know, having a little bit of fuel thrown on the fire and giving it space to grow and turn into what it could blossom into, being on the forefront of this cutting edge technology and leading it not only in this country, but leading it globally and around the world. We have that opportunity to do that, especially with Bitcoin. And then you have the Biden administration sort of turning their back because for whatever the reason may be, they think it's the right thing to do and the right move. Ultimately, it won't matter. China's the perfect example of try to ban Bitcoin and they still have a hash rate. They still are mining Bitcoin and it's still prospering globally in the world now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I, I, uh, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, she's literally running on an anti-crypto campaign to literally make cryptocurrency illegal. And I, I actually asked ChatGPT this question because I couldn't think of an answer. And I said, um, said something to the effect of, uh, what, what, um, in the, in the United States, which um, candidate has ever run on a campaign to take away people's ability to choose or take away people's freedom? And, and ChatGPT said, uh, none. <laughs> ChatGPT said, no, um, nobody, no politician would run on a campaign in America <laughs> that's based off of freedom would never run on that because they would have no chance of winning. But here we are, literally, Biden and Elizabeth Warren and even Gary Gensler are literally running on a campaign to take away Americans' freedoms in the land of the free. I mean, how do they think this is a good idea? To your point, I don't remember them going against, you know, Bitcoin, but like taking away any choice or freedom. No, it it's it's frankly un-American and it it almost has shades of like the prohibition where we saw how well that worked when the president at the time still had a a closet full of booze and would be drinking almost every night regardless. Uh, it's turning into a lot of, I think, he- fear-mongering and this idea around ESG and the narrative of, well, it's good for the environment, it's bad for the environment, this and that. It just it goes back to this idea of these people who are making the decisions on behalf of us as citizens, haven't done their due diligence, don't understand what they're saying, and then ultimately they get to make the decision regardless of whether or not they do their homework. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren is now saying, you know, she's running this anti-crypto campaign. So she's looking for any reason she can to shut it down. And now she came out this week saying that she's calling for a shutdown of crypto because so it was just I'm running for a shutdown of crypto. Now it's because um, and it's because crypto funding is for fentanyl, she said. She said that it's the Chinese drug makers that found that crypto payments are appealing and uh, 90 Chinese businesses offering to ship fentanyl precursors with almost all of them taking crypto in exchange. Well, so in my experience, it's cash that powers the drug industry. And fentanyl is coming across our southern borders, which the Biden administration does not want to close down. If somebody wanted to buy drugs online, which is not happening, if it was, they could just use a prepaid debit card or credit card to do that. So uh, one, I mean, <laughs> is she just pulling at straws here? Do you think there's anything to that? It, it's fear-mongering. It's this idea of, oh, well, what's the scariest thing and what, what's the thing that people are most afraid of? Well, it's drug addiction and fentanyl. We don't want our kids or our family getting associated with this. Well, how do we stop it? Well, we stop the payment. And mm-hmm. to label the payment as it, it's crypto doing this is laughable. Mm-hmm. Like Everyone has yeah. seen the pictures of all of the raids down in Mexico of just piles of gold bullion and of hordes of cash. Cash. I, it's all it's all cash. So Elizabeth Warren, just a quick little note, maybe hop on over to the Treasury Department, hop on over to the Federal Reserve and ask them to stop funding the fentanyl trade.
Yeah, exactly. Uh, side note on that, what's interesting, somebody in my one of my high-end coaching programs called The Inside Line, um, he has a um, consulting business. He helps businesses become more efficient, so like op- do their operations. Um, he went and met with the Treasury in Texas um, in February, and they are hiring him to help them scale. I think he said they're building three new money-printing pr- money locations. And he was like, whoa, he's like, I thought with like CBDCs and you know all this digital money, you guys would be scaling down. And he said, oh, no, no, business has never been better. The dollar has never been in more demand. We're building three new printing facilities, one of them, which is right next to this airport. So we can literally go right onto the planes and all the money is going offshore. So business has never been better. The Treasury is building three new facilities to print money. Uh, and so that is, to your point, going into these cartels' pockets uh, to fund this. Uh, it's not Bitcoin that we can create more of. It's a fixed supply. It's this cash. Uh, insane, isn't it? It's honestly, it's remarkable the gall the government has to, to lie to us and then at the same time literally fund the drug trade. Yeah, literally just shipping pallets of cash overseas. And of course, as they continue to crack down on it, people say, well, it'll just go offshore. And it has. We saw that now China, as of uh, June 1st, China is now going to allow private retail citizens to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum cryptocurrencies through Hong Kong. And now Gary Gensler and Elizabeth Warren want to crack down on stable coins. And now Hong Kong is just going to launch their own stable coins. And so you know, that's the game. That's the game theory in play. If you're just tuned in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about the latest breaking news headlines this week. We're talking about what's going on in the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency space. going to take a quick break. We'll be back. I want to talk about the economy, what's going on with the debt deal, the job openings and what's happening with Fed hikes. We're going to talk more about uh, families hurting because of the insanity of what's going on and more. Don't go away. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuned in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week. Of course, as we're looking through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, so you can have context to what's going on in this complex system. You know, one of the things that was dominating the news headlines was this debt ceiling debate. We kind of already talked about that a little bit in some earlier segments. If you missed it, don't worry. Go back and check out the podcast. Just search The Mark Moss Show in the podcast. But in regards to the economy, um, the Treasury desperately needs money. As a matter of fact, the cash balance at the bank account, the, the, the TGA, that's the Treasury, the U.S. government, the Treasury's bank account is at... Uh, only $37 billion, which sounds like a lot of money, but not for the government. $37 billion, which is the lowest level it's been at in 2017. And so now that the debt ceiling has been raised, it'll hopefully get signed in the next couple of days, they have to add a trillion dollars in treasuries over the next 30 days. Now, that we I talked about this kind of earlier. This sucks the liquidity out of the markets, but um, reports and analysts are saying that's going to be equal to a 25-point basis hike by the Fed. So, of course, the Fed's been going on this uh, hiking cycle with a reckless abandon, raising rates for the fastest time in history, caused all types of havoc in the in the entire financial system, including banks collapsing and even the treasury going broke. And now this will be equal to another 25 uh, point uh, hike. And at the same time, we saw job openings come out this week and they look like they were um, unexpectedly increasing the job openings. So that's not bad. And it looks like the Fed is now still on the fence whether they're going to have one more rate hike or not. So it looks like the traders, so people bet on this and they bet what will the Fed do. And it looks like the traders have reduced their bets that the Fed will hike from 60% down to 35%. So there's a 35% chance. It was a 60. Now, based off the new news, it's a 35% chance still increase in June. And then um, the odds are now that uh, 25% increase, a 50% chance of an increase in July. So if the Fed from a 60 to 35, the market thinks 35% chance still increase it. And the Treasury is also going to kind of have the same effect. That'd be a 50% uh, basis point rise. I mean, what's your take on that, Q? That's pretty crazy. I mean... The big takeaway here is the fact that you have politicians that you nor I nor anyone listening ever elected, asked for, or voted for in office making decisions that ultimately are going to impact how much you have to save, are going to impact how much you're going to be able to spend, and how the prices at the gas station, the prices at the grocery store are impacted directly as a result of these type of policies. I kind of talked about this earlier, you as well. Like the last time we saw this much liquidity exiting the markets, we just saw hard crashes and we haven't really recovered from the crash that we've pretty much seen from the end of last year. So you're telling me that we're about to get an even harder crash down? It's almost, to me, it's almost irrelevant. It just kind of opens the door and sets the government up for by the end of this year, 
all right, let, let's open up the floodgates. Let's crash rates down. Let's start printing money and inject liquidity back into the market. Yeah. What, what's crazy is, I mean, you know, uh, those that don't know history are bound to repeat it. If you just look back to 2019, what a lot of people don't know is they think the, the pandemic was like this black swan event and it crashed the market in March of uh, 2020. But in September of 2019, the year before, the yield curve had inverted. So you hear a lot about that today. What most people don't know is that actually happened in September 2019. And that tells us that a recession was coming. So it projected the recession was coming. The black swan was happening before it even happened. And then why did that happen? Well, we had this repocalypse. We had the repo markets uh, blow up. And part of that was because of the exact same situation that's forming up right now, where the treasury, the TG account, was trying to rapidly expand, increase their bank account at the same time as the Fed was tightening their balance sheet. So what's happening right now? Well, the Fed is tightening their balance sheet and the Treasury has to refill. It's the same situation. Now, what's crazy about that is what we've been doing is uh, if you've ever taken a house loan, you probably have heard LIBOR. That's the um, that's it sets all the rates. It's the London Interbank Exchange Rate. And so all loans, basically all the debt in the world has been based off of this London exchange rate. Well, the Fed doesn't like that, and they have changed it all from the LIBOR to now a SOFOR, which is secured overnight funding rate. And that is now set by the United States at the overnight repo rate. And that transition has been in effect. The transition will finish in 30 days from now. So if we get a repeat of what happened in September 19, Fed tightening, Treasury refilling, freezing up the repo market, if that happens again, now we have all this debt tied to that. It could be disastrous. But even more, I uh, I saw this uh, this tweet from Jeff Winnegar, and this is kind of to your point, Q. Uh, Jeff Winnegar, he's the head of equity strategy at a ninety billion dollar asset under management firm, so he's not a small small player. And he showed a chart of these invest the investors that are buying home purchases, and the investor purchases are down forty nine percent year over year. And if you look at the chart, it's up and then it's down. It's up and then it's down, up and down. And he's like, what kind of society are we living in where this chart goes higher and lower, higher and lower, higher and lower, booms and busts? Like, isn't the point of the central bank to smooth this out? I kind of commented on it. I said, uh, well, don't worry. They started 100 years ago. Uh, maybe they're starting to get the hang of it now. But I mean, is this insane or what? I mean, it, it just, it starts to really beg the question of that age old adage of, well, real estate is the safest place to park your money. And for any of my Lakers fans out there, if you watch the old Lakers uh, docuseries on Hulu last year, they talked about how Jerry Buss and his business partners back in like the sixties, they, they just were like, buy anything, buy real estate because inflation will take care of the rest and it will just grow in value. You no longer have that anymore. You're again, on the whims of a few few people who go off into a room and make certain decisions and that's going to impact you and I and how we operate our day-to-day -day lives. Like you you are someone with ample experience in the real estate market myself trying to buy my first home, I see something like this and I'm like, "Oh, nope, I'm just I'm not even going to look at it. Not going to yeah. not going to bother." Yeah. What the chart really shows though is that I mean, he's he's to your point, they go in a small room and make these decisions that affect our lives. Um, and it shows that they're running the economy like a light switch. It's like on and off, on and off, on and off. And it just goes to the insanity because the whole purpose of the Fed being created was to smooth this out. And 
it's the opposite. So we have a hundred years of data that shows that they're only making it worse and they're not making it better. So at what point do people start to wake up and realize how stupid and what does Einstein say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Like, so they've had a hundred years. It's getting worse. I think it's time for something different. It's just, it's just so much easier to, to accept the status quo rather than, you know, ask these tough questions because if you are asking these tough questions, you start to realize like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense, yet we've allowed it to transpire and we've allowed it to grow and influence and power. Yeah. And, and unfortunately to your point, you know, these guys go into this room and make decisions that affect our lives. You know, I, I've, I've likened, uh, the kind of, we, we always watch the FOMC meeting to see, uh, Jerome Powell, the head of the fed come out and tell us what our fate is like, what is the rate going to be? And, and I liken it sort of to, uh, the insanity that people watch a hedgehog or groundhog punks to Donnie Phil to come out and tell us if spring is coming or whatever. It's like, it's kind of the same thing, but what they don't understand these bankers, I don't think they understand is that these are real lives. And I saw this headline this week, families say they need now three times the poverty rate to get by. They need 85,000 because of inflation. Basics as food, clothing, and fuel has gone so high that now they can't get by unless they make three times. I mean, they're, they're crushing families. Insane. Yeah. I mean, the, the sad part too, is you had the fed chair from San Francisco. I've, I'm forgetting her name, but she came out and she was like, well, I don't feel the effects right? because you have a very bloated salary where you are overpaid to destroy the economy. So of course you're not going grocery shopping and dealing with the crisis that was eggs last summer or dealing with the issues, the gas pump that we we're still dealing with in California right now. So it's kind of like the, the let them eat cake kind of a yes. thing, right? That, uh, oh, but people are so hungry. They don't have enough bread. Well, then let them just eat cake. And it was kind of like this, this moment where that she, to your point that you're making, she just showed how disconnected they are from this. If you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about the latest breaking news headlines this week. So you can understand how this world is moving from centralization to decentralization. We're going to come back in a minute and take a quick break and talk about how society is literally breaking down right in front of us because of these policies. So we're going to cover that and more in a minute. When we come back, don't go away. We'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. Oracle.com strategic. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, how the world is changing as we watch it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines. And, you know, some of the, the breaking headlines that seem to be just repeating over and over and over is really the breakdown in society. Now, I've likened to think that, like, if you had, like, uh, all the problems in society, they're all, like, leaves on a giant tree. Um, we could sit here and debate each leave, each problem, but at the bottom sits that money printer. And so when the money's broken, the world is broken, but we see society breaking down. So it's not just, like inflation, like that's like a first order effects, like, okay, well, prices go up. Second order effects is, well, it makes it harder for people to live. Third order effects is like, well, now I don't have time to spend with my family or my kids. Fourth effects is like, now they're out breaking the law. (laughs) And like, you can keep chasing this down. And that's kind of where we're at. And some of it is, is because of the breakdown in money. And some of it's intentional. I saw, I saw, um, president Bukele, the president of El Salvador was on Tucker Carlson months ago. And he said, he said, uh, you know, I'm from El Salvador. We're a third world country. And a lot of these cities I wouldn't even go to anymore. And so, you know, we're seeing this. And, it's, and he, said, he said, these were shining examples of cities on the hill 20 years ago. There's no way they get from here to there without being intentional. And I saw this week in Los Angeles, they have this zero bail policy reinstated, even for repeat offenders. Now, this bill removes bail requirements for offenders, Um and so when you don't punish crime, it seems like you get more of that crime. We see the same thing. Uh, stores are shutting down everywhere. Target, Walmart, Foot Locker are now saying that because theft is getting so bad, they're having to shut down stores. There's been employees killed during these shoplifting events. Nordstrom now has to lay off almost 400 workers because they're shutting down their San Francisco stores because crime is so bad. And of course, if you don't punish crime, you get more of it. I mean, is that so hard to understand, Q? No, I mean, look, I my mother works at Macy's on the actual sales floor and was robbed at gunpoint. And oh, Macy's man. Response, in, in LA, right? In LA. And their response is, okay, maybe we can add another security guard. But the requirements are they can't, the security guard at Macy's can't put hands on this person out of fear of a lawsuit. God forbid, God forbid you stop a robbery. Yeah. And then at the same time, it, it they don't prosecute, they don't chase after, they don't do anything. So now you're just leaving these people exposed, your employees that you're supposed to care and protect. It it's laughable. We've allowed these sort of like crimes, these 
very small petty crimes to escalate into levels that they should never have gotten to if we just took care of it at its root. And I think like when you look at, you know, back to kind of these cities being shining cities on the hill, like being examples and, and attracting the world, like most people coming from other parts of the world are coming for a better life. A lot of that better life that they want is like a safer place to live. Nobody, I don't care if you're, you know, a legal immigrant, I don't care what country you came from, I don't care what income level you're at, nobody wants to live in violence right? <laughs> or lawlessness. Like, I mean, nobody wants that, right? No, like we want to feel safe. Like whether, whether you agree with the taxes you pay or not, I anticipate at least some of these tax dollars go towards keeping me and my family safe so that I I don't need to walk around, you know, watching behind my back or I don't need to, you know, be strapped in so so much so that, hey, I don't know if that person's going to rob me, jump me, hurt me, hurt my family. It It's scary to think that I'm saying that about a place like America of all yeah. places too. And so like – you know, uh, as I kind of as I kind of went through, like I believe when the money breaks down, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth order effects are that society starts breaking down. So that's that's one side of it. But then the other side is that laws are supposed to, you know, prevent that from happening. And so, I mean, again, you you live in L.A. I mean, I saw the 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 D.A. of uh, of San Francisco, Gascon, who basically took away all the crime penalties and turned San Francisco into a hellhole, then came to LA. Like, why would LA hire him after he was just in San Francisco? And then they saw exactly what happened. I mean, what's going on with that? Look, man, Hollywood, politics, and sports are the only industries where you can fail at your job and then somehow get a promotion. Yeah, politics. That, for sure. <laughs> like, we just, we don't, we don't care about ourselves for some reason. We tax ourselves more because we vote in these policies. We bring in politicians who, are, who prioritize their donors instead of the actual citizens who elect them and put them in office. And it's a damn shame. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I appreciate your viewpoint on this because I know uh, at some point we kind of sat more on opposite sides of the political spectrum. And obviously now we're just kind of trending more towards the middle because we see the insanity, you know, and, and you can go too far on either side of the aisle for sure. But again, back to the point, right? Like it doesn't matter what political spectrum you're on or what country you're from or what 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 uh, income level you're at. Like nobody wants to live in that. I think, um, you know, uh, I'm a little bit older than you. And uh, when I was uh, growing up, like you would still get spanked at school. Like literally, like you would still get sent to the principal's office. Now I went to private school, so maybe that's a little bit different, but like literally you'd go to the principal's office and he would grab a paddle and he would spank you. And today in my kids, in my daughter's high school, they're not even allowed to send kids to the principal's office anymore because they may make You're them kidding. feel bad about themselves. Oh, I got sent to the principal's office all the time. I right. went, I'm a public school kid, but I, that's wild to me. Right. So like how they've you, gone from teach? spanking in school to like still going to the principal's office to now not going to the principal's office because they may make them feel bad about themselves. So when kids grow up with zero consequences to their actions, what do they think happens when they become adults? I mean, it's not rocket science here, right? No, unfortunately. And you kind of asked the question that I was going to ask of like, how, how do they learn discipline? How do they learn right from wrong if no one's going to tell them or punish them when they make a mistake or at least help them see the mistake they made or when they've been taught there is no such thing as right and wrong there's no such thing as truth anymore there's no such thing as right and wrong uh words are now violence 
So now if you say something I don't agree with, I can say that's an act of violence against me. I mean, this whole thing has been turned upside down. Uh, I, I don't know how we come out of it, but, you know, at some point you got to correct the ship. And unfortunately, again, not to try to make this partisan, but unfortunately you see this in the blue cities and the blue states. You don't see it in the red cities and the red states. And, and, and the reason why is simple. <laughs> if you're tough on crime, you don't get as much crime. If you're weak on crime, you get more of it. And so all these people that are calling for, you know, defunding the police, um, all these types of things. Well, that's what happens. You defund the police and you get that. I saw San Francisco Mayor Breed had to retreat when chaos erupted at a drug crisis event. Um, and so she went there, you know, uh, running on this whole platform of, of yeah, let these people um, have this open air, you know, drug hotspot. Um, let the, you know, let's, let's, let's not, let's not prosecute them. So she's down there to like be a champion for them. But yet, <laughs> while she's down there, um, things things get so bad. Um, she said she declared that compassion is killing people, um, and and as she started doing that, uh, violence erupted, and people started uh, you know violently throwing bricks into the audience and things like that. It's insane. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I think you know at some point. I guess if you save, if you fix the money, you can save the world. That's kind of what I know both of us believe. And I guess to your point earlier, like. Um, some rich people with some strong ideological viewpoints potentially to purposely destroy things uh, have been able to get lots of money and throw that at, at these types of district attorneys to run. And if we had a, a sound money system that was based off of consequence, where if you um, if you squandered your money, you don't get more of it, um, that would change it eventually. Uh, but that's a, that's a long way around. I've been joined in studio with my friend Q, breaking down these latest news headlines. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Let us know. Hit, hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss. Let me know what you think. And that's what I got. Until next time. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.